Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 149 of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Mr. Andy Boy joining us, and Andy is the founder and CEO of the United Schools Network. And Andy's got a great story. He's really dedicated to education and helping out students who haven't had the same opportunities as everyone else here in Columbus. And I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. And as always, we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that, though, we want to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And we're going to start with a new sponsor, Third and Goal. You are invited to pack your bags and join the Third and Goal Foundation for Heroes in the Hangar, a suitcase party, Friday, May 3rd, 2019. There'll be live performance by swag, an open bar, heavy hors d'oeuvres, and interactive stations, and one lucky couple will leave the night on a private jet for an all-inclusive weekend getaway. First-class tickets are $150, which includes entry and one raffle entry into trip drawing. VIP first-class cabin is $2,000. It includes six first-class tickets, access to the VIP pre-party, and name on the event signage. Proceeds benefit the Third and Goal Foundation, founded by Brady Quinn, a nonprofit that is committed to making a difference in the lives of veterans in need. For more information and to reserve your tickets, visit www.thirdandgoalfoundation.org. That's www.thirdandgoalfoundation.org, which will also be linked in the show notes. And our next sponsor is Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Congress, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. 
Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we've got Andy Boy joining us, and Andy is the founder and CEO of United Schools Network. United Schools Network started with just 57 students and one school, and it's grown to more than 850 across Columbus, and their goal is to provide an excellent education to students who normally lack these opportunities so that they can be prepared for college and life beyond and before United Schools Network Andy was a founder and director of multiple preparatory schools and academies, and he's always had a passion for education. We're really excited to have him here on the show today. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us this evening. And uh, kind of one of the first places we always like to start is kick it back a little bit, talk about how'd you grow to have a passion for education, maybe where you went to school, anything important, details from your early life that kind of led you to where you were today. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it did start young. I grew up uh, a, a privileged middle-class white kid in, in rural Ohio, and uh, I was fortunate that I lived in a, a rural town that was relatively diverse, and, and I played sports, so I had friends of, of all different backgrounds. And as I, I got older, I recognized that, that there were some differences between me and, and some of my friends, and that um, I had two parents. My father was a doctor. I had the resources that I needed to, to be successful, and uh, I had some other friends that, that didn't have two parents in the home, that didn't have the same opportunities that I had, and um, for me, that, that was hard to see, and, and I, I, I guess from a, a place of shame around my um, privilege, I, I decided I love people the great equalizer in, in all things in, in life is education, and so that's that's where I put my, my focus. So looking back throughout that childhood, do you think it was anything that your parents instilled in you or, or the way that they brought you up that allowed you to be able to step back and look at things from a higher level than just uh, kind of embracing your personal journey? Um, you know, I would say that, that I was most, my parents provided me with the opportunities to explore and, and, and be where I am today. And because I had those opportunities, I, I, th I think where I, I really found the love for this work and, and the path that I'm on now was in college. And just as, as I continued to study education or, or work through education and think about the inequities that exist in education, um, I, I grew more and more interested in what was possible when, when education was done right. So um, it, it was really life experiences that, that led me here. And, and what my parents, what my, my early days provided me with was the, the opportunity to explore uh, and, and, and go after the things that were really interesting to me. Let's talk a little bit about that, that college transition. You go off to college, where do you choose to go to college at? Yeah, I, again, I grew up in rural Ohio. Uh, I, I never wanted to go back there, and I thought, let's let's find a city with a college and, and, and a place where nobody else went, and that led me to the University of Cincinnati. Uh, they just so happened to have a great education school. Uh, went to the University of Cincinnati, double majored in education and communications, um, and, uh, you know, really, really fell in love with urban education as I was there. And so you graduate college, do you go into, so where do you go from there? Do you start at an academy? Do you start taking a job? Or do you go, I know I saw on LinkedIn and our research of you, you did, you founded a lot of your own academies. So what, what's your first step out of college towards that space? Yeah, I was uh, pretty cocky coming out of college. I thought I'm a, I'm a male going into education. I was, I was really focused on K-8 in the early grades. There weren't many males there. So I thought I was just going to walk right into a job. I was 
I was very excited about getting an opportunity to teach, but right out of college, um, I didn't get hired anywhere. Uh, tried to work in Cincinnati Public. That's where I really, really wanted to work. Couldn't get hired. Worked in or looked in other urban school districts in the Cincinnati area. Didn't get hired. Didn't get hired. And uh, I was selling knives through Cutco that summer and, and got married and figured uh, I, I got to find a job somewhere. Uh, happened to look in the newspaper, saw uh, an ad for a teaching position at a school that I'd never heard of, had no idea what it was, but I needed a job. I called them. Uh, they called me back. I said, come down tomorrow for an interview. Uh, they hired me really quickly, and I found out uh, soon after that it was a charter school. I, I had no idea what charter schools were. Uh, but that's where I landed, right time, right place, and, and fortunately for me, it became one of the first excellent rated charter schools in the state of Ohio, which is, is how I fell in love with, with school choice, and, and that, that carried on to where I am today. So can you talk a little bit about, for our listeners who are listening that don't know the difference between a charter school and academy, is there kind of a high level that we can go through on that? Our schools have the name Columbus Collegiate Academy. That, that just is uh, a name that, that we modeled after other high-performing charter schools. So, so charter schools are uh, public schools by definition. In the state of Ohio, they're actually called community schools because all schools hold a charter. However, Ohio likes to do things differently, so uh, we call them community schools here. Um, the real difference between a traditional public school and a charter school um, is really the governance structure, and, and, and there are some freedoms in the way that you deliver your model. You know, we are public schools that are publicly funded that are independently operated. Okay, so, and then you have, so on that spectrum, right, you've got public schools, public charter schools. Do we have anything like private charter schools and then fully private? Is there, is that like how, where does that spectrum go? Yeah, so again, I believe in, in Ohio, all schools have charters. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's private schools, there are um, public charter schools. I appreciate that you put public in front of that. Mm -hmm. And then there are the traditional public schools. Um, in that, there's, there's variations in different models, but those are the three general vehicles in which you, you have a school. So we started that charter school right out of college. Um, there's probably a decent amount of time between there and the United Schools Network. So what did that path look like for you? Are there any high points that really stick out that helped form you to be able to reach the point that you're at in your career today? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I learned a great deal in my first position. I was a, a teacher for five years. And, and it, you know, I mentioned it was one of the first excellent rated schools. I, I would say that in that school, we were doing 90% of the things really, really right and 10% and of the things really, really wrong. And so I had this opportunity to see a lot of the things that we could do to, to make a great school. And then uh, uh, fortunately for me, I got an opportunity to go to a fellowship program in Boston through the Building Excellence Schools organization, which really helped me fine tune how to do that 90% even better. But also, you know, this other 10% that we were getting wrong in the school that I started my career in, you know, I've, I found out, you know, how do we do these things right as well? So I would say in that first experience, it was a lot of how to do things right and, and, and some lessons and, and things that you should never ever do as a leader, as a, a public school official or, or anything like that. So some, some really great lessons. Okay. And then do you find, so when, at what point do you say, hey, I want to found my own school, you know, and I want to be a leader of my own school? Yeah. As, 
my fifth year was finishing out in uh, the school that I was in in Cincinnati. We, we knew some challenges were ahead. I wanted to make the school better. I went to our sponsoring agency and I said to them, look, these are the things that, that are part of that 10% that's holding this school back. If we could change just these things, we could make a huge difference. And they said, you know, that, that sounds really great, Andy. <clears throat> We'd like you to lead this school. And what would it take to get you to, to step into that role? And I said, well, the, the first thing is we got to get rid of the board because it's, it's um, not functioning in a level that we could do that. And I said, sorry, Andy, that's one thing that we can't do for you in this. And so that, that led me to look into other pathways to, to do this the right way. And, and that led me to Building Excellent Schools, which is a national nonprofit that, that trains people like myself uh, to, to launch high-performing charter schools in their home city. I, I believe they're in... 20 plus cities across the country, over 20,000 students are, are served by BES fellow founded schools. Um, and that, that fellowship program is what really helped me go to the next level. You know, I got my undergraduate degree from the University of Cincinnati. I got a master's degree from Xavier in educational administration. Th those things were all wonderful. Th they didn't do anything to prepare me for where I am today and the way that building excellent schools and that fellowship program did. So a lot of people in our audience listening, entrepreneurial in spirit, they want to find a way to have a positive impact on society, um, Columbus in particular, but abroad as well. And as you went through that process of founding that organization, you know, what did it look like at a more granular level? Uh, you obviously had this vision in mind. How did you go about acting on that vision and, and bringing it to life? You know, I, I, this goes back to the fellowship and what that presented to me. Um, you know, I had a, a traditional education. I had this great experience, but there were just so many things around hiring, governance, fundraising that I, that I just couldn't know. Um, and, and that fellowship started to fill in the gaps. But I, I think the most important piece of the fellowship was spending time with other leaders that are doing this work and spending time in other schools that are doing this work and getting it done. So, so deep study, both with the people that are in the work and the, the schools that, that are models for, for what we wanna do are, are really what, what helped me to, to fine tune how we were gonna do what we do at United Schools Network. And then, so let's talk about United Schools Network now. When, when did you first actually step into role and found United Schools Network? When is that? along this timeline? Yeah, so our, our whole network grew organically. I guess if I could back up a little mm -hmm. bit, we launched our first school, Columbus Collegiate Academy, in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, had a significant amount of success, so much so that people were asking us to launch more schools. We also recognized that students on the west side of Columbus didn't have access to this school, so we launched a second campus, another middle school campus, and that's when we realized that more growth was in our future. And in order to do that, we need to be really smart from a business aspect, and we need to find ways uh, to be more efficient. And that led to launching United Schools Network, which is our home office, if you will, our central office, uh, what a traditional district would call it, um, which allowed us to centralize some of those functions from HR to fundraising to the executive level uh, functions of an organization, which meant that each of our schools were now putting more into the classroom and less into the administrative side of the school. So USN was born after we created two schools in, in 2013 to, to really create efficiency uh, across uh, our schools and allow us to continue to replicate this model so that we could serve more students. 
So you talk about launching the first campus and the second one. Like, what goes into launching a school campus, and what is deemed as successful? Do you just drive by a building and then and then you have a vision and then next thing you know you're you're throwing <laughs> students inside of it? Or? I don't know that we have enough time today to to go into to all that that uh, it takes to launch a school. Um, unfortunately, it's not rigorous enough in the state of Ohio. I, I think the states where they're really getting charter schools right are making it very hard for you to launch a school and it should be hard it should be really hard to launch a school we don't have time to fail and so the the first step in launching a school is writing a business proposal going to the sponsoring or authorizing agencies and applying to them writing a business plan applying through their application going through interviews and once you've proven to them that you have a model and, and a plan that's going to work they they give you the contract to, to start, you, you line up your board, you start hiring kids or teachers, you start recruiting kids. Um, and, and I've been looking for buildings now for, for 12 years, so that's something that's just forever ongoing. And when you're a young, under-resourced nonprofit, finding space is, is probably one of the toughest things you can, you can do. All right, Conquerors, we're going to take a quick break here in the show to tell you about a group called Columbus Gives Back. If you're looking for a way to get involved in your community, but you don't know where and how to start, look no further than Columbus Gives Back. By partnering with over 150 Central Ohio nonprofits, Columbus Gives Back makes volunteering fun and easy by offering 30 to 40 volunteer events each month that are free of cost, commitment, and hassle. Sign up for your first event today at columbusgivesback.org. That's columbusgivesback.org. All right, let's get back into the episode. Um, so it's writing that business plan and then starting to, to put together the, the folks to, to really launch this school. All the while, building support in the community, thinking about how we're going to deliver uh, lessons in our classrooms and, and how we're going to build culture in our school. And I would guess that as a charter school, a public charter school specifically, um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to keep getting this terminology <laughs> wrong the whole interview. Public charter school. I'm guessing that there are some different types of regulations and different processes that you'd go through, especially since you, you know, you're a taxpayer-funded organization to, to found that. Was there, was there like a, a lot of red tape to navigate? Was there a lot of you know, interviews? You mentioned those interviews. What were some of those like what, other than, hey, what's your business plan? Yeah, no, it's an intense process. And when you're a government entity and you're a public school, you're receiving government funds, there are a lot of requirements and, and hoops and hurdles to get, get through and over in, in order to get where you are today. You know, I, I think as a charter school, uh, we are freed up of some of that, that red tape. And, 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 and it's, it's very limited, but it's very important. A, a big piece to that, and, and there's legislation that's changing that right now, is some more flexibility on who we hire. Uh, so an, an example would be one of our top math teachers in, in our buildings in his past life was a chemist, and he, he worked in labs, and then he decided, I, I want to do something really awesome, and I want to work in schools, I want to teach. Um, he came to us without a traditional education background and he could teach for us. He could not go teach in a traditional public school unless he went through the process to be licensed. Now there's some changes coming around that that are unfortunate, but we were freed up to hire the people we believed were gonna be able to, to, to step into our classrooms with the right amount of love, joy, and rigor that was needed and regardless of their certification. And, and the unfortunate side to all of this is there's 
zero link to a teacher certification and student outcomes. And so, you know, we're spending a lot of time on this certification and, and, it, and it doesn't really mean anything to the, to the end game for our students. So to the extent that you can, can you speak a little bit more about, you know, the hiring process of individuals like that? Because you can find some really brilliant people in this world who might not be able to translate, you know, what they've learned and what they can do in their own brain to other people's brain. I think it requires, obviously, teaching as an art and a skill not everybody has, but yet, if you can find someone who's done it in the real world and can convey that, they could probably convey it in a very unique way um, that you wouldn't see in a, in a textbook school. So a lot of people these days in particular critique the teaching systems within schools. So a long-winded question of me just saying, as you're going through recruiting these individuals, what kind of things do you look for to identify if they can really uh, take the school to the next level? Yeah, I, I mean, at, at the core of all of our selection process is mission fit and culture add. So we, we need to find people that are like minds around our mission and what we're, we're trying to do. And then we, we need you to be a culture ad. We, we don't want a culture fit. And then then you, you, you weed out diversity. That's, that's not what we're looking for. We want a culture ad, which will embrace the diversity that we have. Um, and, and then for us, you know, what, what we know is what we're best at is developing people. And what we win at is educating students. And so, we find the people that are mission fit, that have the right attitude, and you know have the ability and the intellect to do this work, and then we bring them in and, and we train them. And we show them, we, well one, we're developing culture while we're doing that, this onboarding process, but then we're training them. And there's, there's some really great things that are coming out of our summer institute for our teachers year over year that allow people coming from all different kinds of backgrounds uh, to step into a classroom and be successful really quickly. And then we have continuous development, feedback that allows people to go from good to great pretty quickly. So mission fit, you talk about that a little bit. Um, what, what does a mission look like for you guys? And we might have mentioned a little bit in the intro, but over the next you know five to 10 years, like what's your vision for the mission of the organization? Yeah, over the next five to 10 years. So we're, we're four schools, just under 900 students now. Um, three of our schools are completely built out. We have another school that's uh, K2. It needs to add grades three through five. And so as we add those grades, we'll, we'll grow to about 1,200 students. We're really excited about what we're going to do for the, the 1,200 students that we serve in our four school buildings, but we're not satisfied. We know we need to have a larger impact. You think about Columbus all, all in itself. There's you know, 50,000 plus students in, in Columbus City Schools. There, there's, you know, tens of thousands of students going to other schools, um, charter, private schools in Columbus. And, and the reality is when you look at report cards, report cards aren't everything. Over a third of them are sitting in failing schools right now. And so we understand 1,200 students is, is gonna make a huge impact, but it's not enough. And so in the last year, we've launched a, a social enterprise called School Performance Institute, which is, is essentially gonna allow us to, to do several things, but it's gonna allow us to increase our impact beyond our walls. And so in the next five to 10 years, we're, we're gonna have four fully functioning schools on either side of downtown in Franklinton, the Near East side, uh, two K-8 pathways. 
that are providing the opportunity for students to matriculate to the top high schools and onto the colleges and universities of their choice. And then we're also going to have a, a social enterprise that's going to be growing our impact beyond our schools, beyond Columbus. Um, and we're, we're already seeing some people from as far away as Arizona and Georgia come to, to receive this training. So a tremendous impact here in Columbus and, and then beyond through our social enterprise. And, and for us, it's really about changing the landscape when it comes to, to public schooling and, and, and really, you know, a big goal that we have or a priority that we have is to lift up the, the charter school sector and, and, and make sure that everybody knows that there are great schools, that we should stop focusing on the governance structure and we should start focusing on what's going right in schools and, and replicating that. So to so as you as you look back on those that goal and that mission and that objective criteria, do you have KPIs that you're going to look back on in the next five, 10 years and say, is it, is it we took this many students to college, we took this many students to an Ivy League? Like, I mean, maybe I'm completely off the wall. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, we have more KPIs and, and, and individual goals, indicators for where we want to go than, than I, I think we, we have time for today. I, I, I think what we want to start to see are the life outcomes of our students and and we're starting to see that now and and that our oldest students are are about to graduate from four-year colleges what we're seeing is that 95 percent of the students that finish eighth grade with us go on to graduate from high school and 70 percent have matriculated to college and are persisting long-term goals we get we're we're getting 100 percent of kids graduating high school and we're getting 100 percent of kids matriculating to higher education of the of some kind, be it two-year schools, four-year schools, we want to see 100% of our kids matriculating in, in those ways. I think an important question that I haven't asked up to this point is, <clears throat> if I'm a parent and I want to send my kid to a public charter school, what do I have to do? Yeah, um, you know, it, I think it depends somewhat on the school. I can tell you exactly what we do. You know, we're public school. We're open to everyone. But the, the way that we recruit students is we start from our buildings, which is why it's been so great to be able to partner with Columbus City Schools to be able to purchase three of their, their once vacant buildings. We, we hope to, to find a way to get a fourth one. Um, but, but by being in those schools, we're in the neighborhoods we want to serve. And so for us, if a parent wants to enroll with us, the, the process of way that it happens for most is that we're, we're doing a, a grassroots effort of outreach. We're door to door. We're knocking on, on the doors of, of families. We're talking to them about who we are. We're handing them an application. And the, the reality is we're open to everyone. You fill out that application. It, it gets submitted. We set the amount of students that, that we can enroll. And uh, if, if more students apply, then we have seats available. It's a blind lottery. It's something that's open to all and fair. Certainly, um, you know, we know that it's important we go to our families and let them know that we're here in this sea of, of school choice that uh, has its good and its bad. So talk about you know, more about the business model. I mean, is there, you know, fundamentally you got to make sure that continue the operations you have to market the school I'm assuming like what does that look like from a traditional business model versus what you and your team are are utilizing you know I I mean I would say that it's a very traditional business model we 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 definitely are are very much thinking about return on investment with with every 
everything that we do. You know, we're, we're, we're different in that we have multiple sources of revenue, be it public uh, funding from the state, entitlement fundings from the state or from the federal government. Um, and then we have our, our private philanthropy that, that we're going after. So I think we have a, a, a maybe a more diverse funding stream to think about. Um, but but I, I, I think day in and day out, we're, we're looking at what's our bottom line and what can we do more of to meet the needs of our students. Um, I guess if I back up, we're never worried about making money. We're, we're worried about the outcomes of our students. So maybe not the most traditional business model in that sense. Yeah, so the return on investment is just a little bit different in this sense. I mean, it still is a return, but not in the terms of dollar cents, but more, um, you know, I don't know, academic measurements of, of the people that your lives that you're touching. Right. So when, we're, when, we, when we do our budget, we are, are very much looking at who and, and what are the students that we serve, what are their needs, and, and how do we accomplish meeting those needs. And, and that goes right into our staffing model and, and, and then right into the partnerships and, and other things that we need to bring to the table to, to, to get that return for our students. It's a good place to kind of pivot towards some of the last questions of our show. Uh, and, and one of them that I think would be interesting to hear from you is, you know, a lot of our listeners, like we mentioned earlier, entrepreneurs, young professionals, and not everybody always has that same passion that you might have found right out of college. They don't know what they want to do. They don't know where they want to go. How can people kind of find a way to try enough things or, you know, find the right path for them? I think it's something that a lot of people think about nowadays, especially millennials. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really fortunate that uh, I cared a lot about something and I was in the right place at the right time. And, and, you know, I didn't even really mean, I stumbled upon the charter schools and, mm -hmm. and where I am today. So, you know, if I, if I back up, I, I guess, um, and, and maybe this is, is similar to what other people say, but find what you really care about. Um, you know, for me, I cared a lot about people. I care a lot about kids and I care a lot about people uh, who don't have the same thing that, that I had when I was growing up. And, and with that as the background for me, um, it, it led me to where I am today. And, and um, you know, I, I wasn't for sure about education all the time, but um, when I sat back and I thought about how, how do I best impact uh, people, and, and particularly people who are in underserved areas, it, it, was, it, it just came back to education every time. As you look forward to the future, you know, what are the, some of the largest challenges that you foresee to reach your guys' objectives and, and to reach that mission that you described earlier? You know, I think some of the biggest uh, threats to our success are the public perception of charter schools. You know, very thankful for you to say public charter schools. Um, you know, in, in a lot of circles, charter schools are seen as, uh, you, know, you know, something very bad about public education. And in Ohio, we have this brand uh, challenge where we've had some really bad actors that, that fall back on all of us. And, and um, so I think one of our, our biggest challenges and hurdles that we've got to overcome is the, just the brand challenge that we have. Unfortunately, all charter schools are lumped in with each other. So when there's one bad charter school, all charter schools are bad. Now, when there is a scandal at a traditional public school, people didn't throw up their hands and say all traditional public schools are bad. They're like, this district needs to get their act together. You know, we have that challenge where everybody's lumping charter schools into this, this 
you know basket of, of bad people. So we've we've got to move the brand, um, and and we've we've got to make sure that the awareness is out there that we're doing really great things. And and I think other great things come from that. Beyond that, from a political standpoint, we we've got to be on the the front lines of of supporting the the decisions that are being made by the highest levels and and helping them understand that we have funding inequities that exist and in particular between uh, traditional public schools and charter schools we've got to close that gap you know our brand and and access to resources and funding are, are probably our two biggest challenges that we face uh, moving forward well andy i think that's a a great place to kind of pivot towards one of our last questions of the show, actually the last question, which is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus. And that theme is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why Josh and I chose that phrase in particular, what do you think of when you hear the phrase and how does it apply to your life and career? I live most of my professional career uncomfortably. Um, you, you know, I, I think living uncomfortably for me is staying focused and doing what's right even if even in the face of adversity um or even in the face of failure being highly likely you know i i i think you know what's right you know how how to get there you got to stay focused and however uncomfortable um stay the course but uh i i think it's it's good to live in an uncomfortable place Uh, i think it it creates urgency i think it creates focus and and so uh i I guess i wouldn't have it any other way myself well that's a good answer andy we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show and share your story well, thank you so much. And if, if I have one last chance, I had an incredible, proud dad educator moment today. I, I uh, w- you know, was, was really stressed in work. I, my two sons are, are fantastic. Uh, got some test results back for them that were really well. And, and, and I just want to shout out Ethan and Jackson Boy. I love you. I'm proud of you. And, uh, you know, thank you for being great boys. Well, thanks again, Andy. And uh, Conquerors, thanks for tuning in. That was Andy Boy. He is the founder and CEO of the United Schools Network. If you guys want to check them out learn more about their schools, there'll be a link down in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And we're going to start with a new sponsor, Third and Goal. You are invited to pack your bags and join the Third and Goal Foundation for Heroes in the Hangar, a suitcase party, Friday, May 3rd, 2019. There'll be live performance by Swag, an open bar, heavy hors d'oeuvres, and interactive stations, and one lucky couple will leave the night on a private jet for an all-inclusive weekend getaway. First-class tickets are $150, which includes entry and one raffle entry into trip drawing. VIP first-class cabin is $2,000 and includes six first-class tickets, access to the VIP pre-party, and name on the event signage. Proceeds benefit the Third and Goal Foundation, founded by Brady Quinn, a nonprofit that is committed to making a difference in the lives of veterans in need. For more information and to reserve your tickets, visit www.thirdandgoalfoundation.org. That's www.thirdandgoalfoundation.org, which will also be linked in the show notes. And our next sponsor is Small Biz Cares. 
Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.